welcome to Vegan Cookie Reviews. This is my podcast about humans. Humans with stories that inspire, that teach, that inform, that bring us to see the world differently, even if it's just a little tiny bit. This is not my platform. It's my space to give others the platform to share. With each episode, I will do my best to craft an artful conversation And I think if done right, it's just possible that we can make art from conversations and once in a while, even a masterpiece. We are all better when we work together to benefit us, not just the singular me. This episode is sponsored by Mias Installations, inspired by collaboration created with heart. My first guest shows courage in wanting to share her story with us. And so I ask to honor this episode with no judgment, only love. We are neither of us mental health experts, and we don't attempt to give mental health advice. If you or someone you know is struggling, please seek professional help. Today's episode touches on subjects of mental health and loss, so please be advised of this before choosing to continue to listen. Thank you. Hey, tell me if you love me. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Vicky, tell me if you love him. That's a hiccup. Tell him, tell him, tell him. Love you, Mia. Love you. Call me back. Well, yeah, like, you know, I love you. I'm super proud of, like, everything that you've accomplished, mm. especially the fact that, like, your dream, what, what yeah. you're doing, which I love. Hey, man, I heard the last podcast. Uh, the conversation was good. Uh, the, the, the guest was interesting. I will say, I think the best part of it was the name, though. Vegan Cookie Reviews. You got it. You got to give me credit. Yeah, no, I will. Vegan Cookie Reviews. <laughs> because I just know, like, the type of person that you are and, like, the type of content you make and the way you make people feel. It's special, it's one of a kind. Their privilege and lack of privilege in that specific area, like you feel uncomfortable mm. around them. Like you don't get that with you because you don't ever feel like you're um, judging like, like a privilege that, or anything. Like, you are like a positive yeah, person nice. to be around. Well, dude, I was telling you, that's what I think is so cool about it. It's like, you've got these like conversations that we've had like set in stone like when we're like 50 we can look back and be like oh yeah let's listen to this like 40 minute conversation we had in 2017 or whatever welcome to vegan cookie reviews today we have a very special guest on with us jacqueline deloy welcome jackie (laughs) Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Let's first start uh, with a little bit about yourself. Jackie, you are a licensed... Cosmetologist. <laughs> I can never get it right. <laughs> Cosmetologist who's been... Uh, yeah. You said lashes. You've been doing... Eyelash extensions for a little over nine years. Nine years. But yeah. you've been licensed for longer. I've been licensed for, I want to say, 17 years now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. So you've been licensed for that long. That's how long you've been doing your your thing yeah i was doing hair for a little bit i was a a lifetime assistant as my best friend would say (laughs) (laughs) nice uh so we've known each other for a few years now it's actually wow it's probably like five six or something yeah and let's start at the very beginning uh, of your story i guess my first question would be 
you know, you hit me up. Uh, you called me like a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago or so, and you said you actually wanted to be on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> which was a little surprising. I was like, wow, really? Uh, what kind of motivated you to to want to do this? I think we were talking about. I forget what we were talking about, and that day for some reason it just clicked to me. Like, dang, I should do a podcast with Mia, so we could just talk about sebastian and Mm -hmm. our story and i could share like you know a little bit of about that and how i've been i guess coping with everything and just my journey through it all like you said that was your motivation for wanting to share it what what's kind of the goal um the goal for me is just just sharing my story because Uh i know there's probably other people who can relate and just maybe sharing you know, a little bit about what I've gone through could maybe help somebody else. And, you know, if I can just give a little strength or courage to someone else that's going through the same thing, then I've, you know, I've done my job. Because mm-hmm. if I could help one person, then that's what matters to me. Yeah, I like that. Thanks. So let's start at the beginning then. So okay. uh, you mentioned Sebastian. Right. Who, who's Sebastian? My husband. Mm-hmm. My late husband, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, he passed away April 30th of 2020. Mm. And we have two little girls together. We have a two and a half year old and a five year old. Wow. Yeah. So start at, let's start at the beginning then. How did you guys meet? Um, we actually had known each other for about 10 years prior to us dating. And then, um, yeah, he just asked me to go to a show one night. And I actually almost bailed on him about an hour prior to him picking me up and my best friend was like nope you're going and since that day that night we were pretty much inseparable so we were together for almost nine years Mm -hmm. married for four years so married for four years together before that for nine no nine years total married for four oh okay got it so when was when was the first time that uh he opened up to you about him being bipolar um it was actually i want to say within the first or second month of us dating Mm. and we were just playing pool at a bar and he kind of just like threw it out there and i was like oh okay not really thinking much of it i didn't really know anything about bipolar disorder um and i didn't ever see anything in him that you know made me think anything differently when he said that so kind of just went with it and then it wasn't until I want to say we were together for about five or six months when he had his first episode and we were at Coachella and that's when I noticed like oh something's a little a little different a little off and um, Mm -hmm. I knew he wasn't on drugs because he just wasn't so that's where it kind of started and then when you say his first episode, <clears throat> kind of what does that look like for people that might know not know? Um, so for Sebastian, uh, he was bipolar manic depressive. So he would um, go into a manic episode or mania. And he pretty much um, kind of would just like walk off and disappear and mm-hmm. go talk to everyone. And um, he would say, you know, that he was God or Jesus and, you know, just pretty much just being extremely what's the word hyper i guess um you know wanting to do all these 
things or, or saying he was, you know, going to do all these grand, you know, had all these grandiose ideas. Like he thought he was going to get up on stage with Snoop Dogg and propose to me in front of everyone at Coachella. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, it wasn't until then when I, I couldn't find him for, I mean, Coachella was over and I was still looking for him. Dang. And, um, you know, we ended up getting him help at that time and he didn't have an episode for about seven years after that. He stopped drinking completely and he was on a medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was good. He was good for that for that good stretch. You mentioned something about when he opened up to you about that it was something that didn't you said change how you or it didn't change anything you said? No, it definitely didn't change the way I looked at him. Um, it's kind of funny you say that because there were a few people in my life at the time that were kind of like, are you sure? Like mm. this and that. And for me, it was more, I mean, everyone has something. No one's perfect, you know, and, and you wouldn't stop dating someone if they had diabetes or, you know, like <laughs> high cholesterol or yeah. something like that. Like he had a disorder that um, that he couldn't help. Mm-hmm. And he was doing the best that he could. And that didn't change the way I felt about him. He was still, to me, you know, the most genuine, loving, caring, most humble person that I had ever met. And he changed me in so many ways. What kind of things about yourself changed after meeting him? Um, I think definitely patience. Uh, he taught me patience for sure. He taught me how to love on a deeper level. He taught me how to, um, you know, not be so judgmental and to kind of think about people as far as you you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know what people are going through. Mm So, you know, they might express themselves or be a little bit, you know, angry or upset or, you know, say things they don't mean, but it kind of might just be, you know, because of what they're going through. So just to kind of be a little bit more patient with others and and not knowing what their story is. Mm -hmm. And I was, I mean, I still can be, I'm not going to lie. I still can be judgmental, but I was really (laughs) judgmental at the time. (laughs) So he definitely changed me in that way to kind of just see people differently, Mm -hmm. take a step back. If you could for a second kind of paint a picture of, because you've been describing kind of his character, but like I I would love to hear a little bit more about like who he was, um, like what kind of things he, he did to kind of give people an idea of like the person that he was. Oh yeah. Um, man, he made me feel like I was the only girl in the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, he just, you know, he, he just loved me on, such a different level an unconditional level and I felt the same for him he was the type of person that would wake up happy in the morning and go to sleep just as happy you know he never complained he just went with the flow he was always like genuinely happy when he saw people like he would give the tightest hugs and ask you know what's going on and you know how's everything going and would really be into anything that person said he wasn't just asking just because it was like the nice thing to do he was really like wanting to know like what what's going on in your life you know and um he loved to sing he loved to play the guitar he loved to skate he loved to surf I mean he was good at so many things he was always you know he liked to paint 
Did I say that already? I probably did. <laughs> um, he just was like no other person that you've met before, mm-hmm. you know? And when you met Sebastian, it was like you had known him your whole life. Yeah. He just made you feel so loved and, you know, just <laughs> special. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely relate to that, obviously, mm-hmm. because I did know him personally. So, yeah, yeah. that's exactly. And he was funny and he was silly and he was <laughs> like, he could dance. Yeah. <laughs> so, after you, after that uh, first episode, obviously, um, you know, like you said, he, he stopped drinking. He was mm-hmm. taking, uh, you said, a medication. Yeah. Was the conversation of kind of like, is this going to happen again ever a part of your relationship or how did that go after? Oh like- yeah, definitely. I was traumatized for a while after that just because of, you know, it was all new to me. It mm-hmm. was, I never really understood it until I went through it. So it happening again really freaked me out. But I think Sebs was so willing to do whatever it took to make us work and and he made me feel like I love you I'll do whatever I can so he tried really hard and I think him quitting you know drinking and you know making sure he was staying on top of his medication it took a while for me to get to the point where I didn't fear like a certain laugh or a certain Mm. like you know not getting a phone call or text whatever it was um but once we got past that yeah it didn't honestly didn't even crossed my mind yeah (laughs) after that so yeah and you said that was the that was the first time you've ever dealt with something was that that was the time he had a a manic episode correct yeah so i mean in the moment i mean that must have felt pretty pretty scary it was really scary i um you know i like i said i couldn't find him um i didn't know anybody it was just us two we had met a group of people who thankfully stayed with me and, and helped me but um, you know, at that time we were in my car and he had a backpack that had all of our belongings in it. So, you know, my camera, my keys, like everything. And when I found him, there was no backpack to be oh. found. So yeah, it was a long night of, you know, making sure he was staying in the hotel room and, you know, going to the car in the morning and getting it towed. And it was, it was a mess, but I made it happen somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to leave him alone out there for sure. So it didn't happen again for how many years? You said seven? Seven years. And then he had another manic episode? or Correct. Yeah. And it happening again, what kind of feelings did that bring up in, in you? Uh, it brought Especially, up... Especially, yeah, for it being so long. Yeah, you know, it brought like, up a lot of emotions and... um it was a different feeling also because at the time that he had his second one Mm -hmm. with me, I had a baby, you know, I had Penelope and she was two and a half or three years old. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it was hard because not only did I have to make sure that my husband was okay and in good hands and taken care of, I was also, you know, making sure that my daughter was okay. And thankfully I have a lot of support. Sebastian and I had a lot of support from everyone. Um, so that definitely helped, but it brought up, you know, yeah, a lot. And it went from a, that second episode, we went another mm-hmm. five months. 
Okay. And then it was four manic episodes back to back, one each month. Mm. So as those ones kept happening, they got a little worse and a little worse. And so it just was, it was a different feeling because I kind of knew what to expect because of what I witnessed at Coachella. But it was just scary because at Coachella, we were just boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, I had mm. my own place and he, you know, did his own thing. And now we're, here we are married and a family and we have kids. And, you know, your whole pers- perspective on it changes outlook on it. So you have to handle things a little differently. But yeah. it was still it was still hard and it was still scary. And it was still heartbreaking to see him go through that knowing that once he came down from the mania, he was going to feel really upset about it all and beat himself up for it. Yeah. And that was something that was kind of happening after each time was that he would feel depressed. Depressed. Yeah. And, he and would feel ashamed and embarrassed. And it is, I understand where he could yeah. get that from because he thought, you know, oh my gosh, look what I did. And, I feel like for um, Sebastian, when he was manic, he would go on long drives or walks or mm-hmm. go spend money on things. Like um, one of those manic times, he called me from a tattoo shop and got a tattoo of, of what he told her I drew out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he needed money. And it was like a $400 tattoo. <laughs> and it was like one o'clock in the morning on like yeah. a Monday night. Yep. <laughs> so just stuff like that Uh you know it was it was different because again we had a family and so when stuff like this would come up and he would go back he would come out of it and Mm -hmm. then look back on what had happened he would just be super upset about it and and put himself down even though none of us ever felt that way about him and we never wanted him to feel that way it just it's just how he felt we just wanted him. And when I say we, me, my family, my friends, just wanted him to be okay and safe. So all those other other things didn't matter. Yeah. You know, it was just a part of, of the illness. So what was the solution a- after, like after the episode and you're saying he got, we had to get him help. Like, what does that mean? Like put him in a hospital? <clears throat> yeah. So at the times, um, they, we usually would take him to a hospital and then from there they would, um, keep him and then mm. place him into another hospital, um, like a psychiatric yeah. hospital and keep him there until he was stable, um, enough to come, you know back home or whatnot especially no them knowing that there were kids at home they definitely were a little bit more uh cautious about when releasing him um so it was pretty much him being stable and making sure that he was taking a medication which was a struggle for sebastian because Mm -hmm. he didn't like to take medication um so it did take a while at some you know the hospitals that we had he was at to get released but he always ended up coming out of it and making the right choices Mm -hmm. it just it just took longer sometimes having gone through it that many times and having to go through the process of taking him to a hospital and and all of that uh what is your perspective on the 
the help that is out there for people because I know everybody's different. Obviously, there's right. different things available to different people. I'm no mental health expert, <laughs> so I can't say, you know, what for sure is out there. But having, you know, him in these places um, and, you know, the different things that are available. You know, I think it's hard because most medical insurances don't cover stuff like that. So it's hard to get into a place and, you know, to afford it or even to go see a doctor to afford to see, you know, to have an appointment and go see it's it's expensive and i think that's the problem right now is there's there's help out there it's just i think for us i don't know you know i can't say for everyone else it was just hard to get that help without breaking the bank you know so i think that's one thing that sebastian always worried about but to me you know health i mean there's you can't put money on health right you just got to do it and so for me i was always like no we can do this we can do that whatnot and he was always like oh but it's it's expensive and (sighs) it's this and it's that so um but you know i know there's places out there that we probably could have looked into a little more um there's a lot of good places out Mm -hmm. there you know sebastian did a treatment outpatient treatment for about six months after his last episode so his last episode he was in the hospital for almost a month and then he did a six-month outpatient treatment. So he went every day, I think four or five days a week mm-hmm. after work, um, I think for about two hours every day until he completed that. And there were classes that I took with him during that time at that place. And that was helpful. Places like that are super helpful. There is there is a lot of help out there. It's just finding the right one because yeah. there, there are some places that aren't aren't the best mm. and we we did go through that also so i'll i feel like a lot ha- you know there's not just there's almost a domino effect of things that you have to kind of deal with afterwards it's not just maybe he gets lost we find him and then he's better it's he gets lost it sounds like put him somewhere that you then have to maybe find the right place right check if it's maybe even covered they have to stay there for who knows how long Mm -hmm. uh and then that i'm sure maybe disrupts everyday life because now he's in the hospital Mm -hmm. now you may have to find someone to care for the kids or something i'm assuming yeah i would you know again think i'm thankful for my family because somebody was always there to help out but Mm -hmm. i would i would go every day to go visit him yeah um and there were some nights that i couldn't because of work or whatnot but i'd say 98 percent of the time 99 percent of the time i was there every day yeah um visiting him because i never wanted him to feel alone and and that's the thing that you know i've learned is just being there and just you know listening and and trying to help him feel less alone or just being supportive as much as I could because I know that um, it's got to be hard, you know, especially for him in that situation and being in a hospital knowing his family's at home and his kids and his yeah. wife and then thinking about everything that we went through. Like, I, I know that was really hard on him. And I think that's why he came out of there even after his six-month treatment, outpatient treatment, he was still not himself after this last one 
When you say not himself, you mean just he just still feeling yeah, those feelings just really of shame. down, very quiet. Sebastian was a very outgoing person. Yeah. He was loud. He was yeah. happy. <laughs> he was funny. He was like, uh, <laughs> when my niece, my niece used to say he was everyone's uh, hype man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So when he came out of that, he, it just that just wasn't there anymore mm. and uh he lost that that smile that he had he had a beautiful smile and it was kind of just like a forced smile mm. and for me i feel like i wish i would have asked more questions but i think i was so afraid of making him feel worse um that i kind of didn't push it too much but when i look back now I wonder if that made him feel more alone in what he was feeling and thinking. Because you didn't, you're saying because you didn't ask the questions, right. more questions. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, this is not something easy for anybody to deal with. It sounds no. <laughs> like there is a lot of responsibility. And I think the questions that come up after someone might have is like, how do I, handle this in the correct way i think do you feel like there is one set way of like handling someone who is going through something like this or or i mean i, don't I think know, it's different for everyone i think for me what i've learned again is to mm. just be there and listen and be supportive and you know you don't have to agree with everything they're thinking or saying in that moment yeah but just to validate their feelings you know we don't know or i don't know what sebastian felt like you know and i would always be like oh don't you know no you can't think like that it's like mm. no i needed to just listen a little more yeah. and so now when i talk to people you know if if i can help out in some way it's just listening and just validating their feelings and being supportive and continuing to like check in mm -hmm. you know you can't just be like okay i'm here and then have one talk and then that's it it's like mm -hmm. no c continually continually is that the continually yeah <laughs> that's a hard word checking to say, in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so yeah it's just it's been a huge learning lesson for me i think when you go through something traumatic though, anyways, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's loss or whatever it is, you're, you're going to learn something from it yeah. and you're going to try to better yourself in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's <clears throat> the responsibility. Uh, there's a, there's a quote by Viktor Frankl in the book, man's search. I think it's called man's search for meaning, but it basically said like in every moment life is asking us or it's like what is life asking you in every moment you know mm -hmm. like we have that responsibility of like what is life asking us in this moment to learn from this hard situation uh yeah. and and i think that sometimes pushes us to just keep going yep <laughs> you know and not give up life itself life itself life itself yeah <laughs> oh life's boy. gonna bring you to your knees mm -hmm. 
and you just got to get back up and push a little further. Is yeah. that how you, what was Something it? Something like that. Yeah. Go watch Life. It's, uh, well, you know, if you can handle this <laughs> podcast episode, then maybe you can handle Life Itself, the movie. <laughs> I bawled. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so the next months after that, you said he was feeling not himself. I don't know if you want to get into kind of, you know, what happened after that and um, kind of yeah how that played out just i never had a feeling of oh the mania is coming back it was Uh more of a feeling of uh trying to understand where he was at because i had never seen him in a depressed state or no i actually hadn't this was the first time that i had seen him that way and it was it was scary but i think i was trying so hard to you know focus on the girls and Mm. like getting you know back on a schedule and Sebastian was, he was so selfless Mm -hmm. and he was so, you know, he just went with the flow and just wanted everyone to be happy. So he never stopped doing things besides like his favorite things like skating and surfing, like those things kind of fell off. But, you know, if it was going to our nephew's baseball game or if it was going out to get dinner or date night or whatnot, he still did all those things, even though I know it was hard for him to get up and do it. I know it was hard for him to get out of bed every morning and go to work, but he still did it. And so I think for me, I thought like he's still doing those things. Like he's pushing himself to do it. He's going to like, he's going to be okay. We got this, you know? Mm -hmm. So never would I have thought that one day he'd go to work and not come home. Mm -hmm. I actually thought that morning that he was doing a lot better in the sense that he was, you know, going to go surfing and this and that. So yeah, it it was just a different, a different experience. The Mm. last, I'd say the last four or five months. Yeah. So dealing with something so traumatic and heartbreaking changes a person mm-hmm. uh and so i think it's very commendable that you even have the wherewithal to want to speak out about this it's such a hard topic yeah. you know <laughs> uh but i like what you said about sharing the story with someone who might be going through something similar and there's a lot of things that you went through that maybe looking at it from a different perspective like your own you know it's just something that you had to do yeah I think too with mental illness there's such a stigma Mm -hmm. with it and you know people don't want to talk about it Mm -hmm. or share about it because they're embarrassed or they think you know I don't know I think the first time at Coachella that was me like I didn't want to tell anyone because I was like oh they're gonna think like (laughs) is she really going to stay with with Sebastian after like all that stuff and this and that. And so, you know, now I, I I see it so much differently. I, I have a soft spot for, for people who do suffer with, Mm -hmm. you know, depression or anxiety or anything like that. Um, because I've witnessed it, you know, firsthand. So it's changed me in a way that I feel like I can be less judgmental and just more understanding. And I think if anything, it 
for Sebastian, I think being understanding and listening again, you know, just being there. Mm-hmm. And that's what, I mean, we should all do that for each other in general, whether we suffer with anything like that or not. Yeah. What would you say was the one thing that helped you keep going after losing someone so close to you? Well, to be honest with you, if I didn't have the girls, I'd probably be a raging alcoholic. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But no, the girls, the girls and my family, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if I, I think if I didn't have the girls, it would be a lot harder because I'd want to stay in bed all day. I'd Mm want to, you know, do nothing all day, but I have to get up and I have to be mom, you know, and yeah. So it kind of sounds like you don't really have a choice, but to keep going. I do, and I think I I try to do it for Sebastian also, Mm. because I know for me, I've never been like, oh, why would, you know, yeah, there are moments where I'm like, why did this have to happen? Or why did he have to do this? But I've never gotten to the point where I'm so angry at him that I blame him for Mm. any, you know, of this. It's, I think... Sebastian struggled so much inside silently you know he was always trying to help everyone else he was the person that you called for advice for when you were having a bad day or anything like you could ask any of his friends that he was the person to talk to so I'm just kind of lost track of what I was saying (laughs) (laughs) um I guess for me I'm trying to live a life that he would be proud of. Yeah. You know? And so trying to show the girls pictures and videos and Mm -hmm. give them a life that I think he would be proud of is my goal, I guess, you know? Um, I know that if he wasn't sick, he wouldn't have given up. And so I don't want to give up either, you know? Yeah. So I don't feel like it's necessarily forced. I just feel like it's just, you know, Yeah. I got to do what I got to do. Yeah. So I guess to restate then, yeah, we all, we all, we all have a choice. Right. And the choice you're making is to live a life kind of that carries on his sounds like his personality his mantra of right humble vibe yeah you know i don't know if you want to kind of touch on that too what that stands for um you know he started that in i believe 2008 and it was after an episode from what i know i could be telling the story wrong because i can't remember exactly how he explained it to me but it was in 2008 when he started it because he struggled with the fact that you know he suffered with bipolar disorder and depression and so humble vibe was just one of those things that was going to be a reminder to him to stay humble to it's you know okay so you have this illness that you can't control you know unless you you take care of yourself and your health so humble vibe was his reminder so yeah that's kind of how it started just a reminder to be humble and you know it's it's okay like <laughs> everyone's got something you know looking back on 
your journey and the path that life has taken you uh, and who you are now. Uh, like you said, meeting him changed you in certain ways and made you more patient, more loving, things like that. After going through, you know, everything that you've gone through, not just the the tragedies and the loss, but also the good times and all the good memories that you have now sitting here in this position, what kind of perspective and outlook do you have currently on life? On life <laughs> yeah, um, definitely the small little petty drama things are... Uh-huh. I just don't have patience for that kind of stuff. Um, I have a different outlook on life in a way that, you know, life is short, obviously, you know, Mm -hmm. and we just have to be the best that we can be and give. I'm a very giving person, but I think after losing someone so close to you, you want to give even more because you Mm -hmm. just want, you want to, you want to feel like if I leave here, like, I've done like all that I can, like I've given, you know, all of me cause that was Sebastian, you know? So I think that, and just, yeah, just living the way he did. It was kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. Yeah. Like, what do we have to lose? You know? And I was kind of the one like, no, we can't, we got to work. We got to do this. And now <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, life is too short. Like you, you know, you got to enjoy it. You mm-hmm. can't just, you know, be working and and that's all you do your whole life no you got to live you got to do those things you know go to the concert go on vacation go to whatever like do it so that's kind of how it's changed my outlook i guess is is uh less drama yeah and uh, yeah more living i like that less drama more living i guess my my next question would be because you I mean you stated that that story and now being kind of a year two almost two years yeah uh, we're at about a year and a half a year and a half away yeah. away from from that uh it probably would have seemed very daunting to you to even consider like speaking out like this you know back when it first happened um and that was a very difficult time. Uh, what would you say kind of just from your own perspective, but little advice for someone that might be dealing with grief uh, on ways to cope and also ways, because uh, I don't think we touched on it too much, but ways that people can help someone who has just lost uh, somebody close to them. Yeah, I think um, just I got like a bunch of books right mm-hmm. after Sebastian passed away because I thought I was going to dive right into like all these books and grief and loss and everything because I felt like when I did talk to people, I think, you know, everyone just wants to kind of help in a way that they want to take the pain away. So it's almost like they want to fix you and it's something that can't be fixed, something that's going to stay with me forever. Mm-hmm. So you kind of like don't talk about it as much because you you feel like you're not being heard in a way that I guess what it is people just if you haven't gone through it like such a close loss like this Mm -hmm. you can't really understand you know so 
it's trying to understand or maybe even that person getting a book on grief or what to say or what to do, you know. Um, For me, I just, it took me a while to work on it myself. Like, I have to do my part. Like, no one can can help this. And it was, wasn't until recently that I started understanding, like, it's okay. Like Mm. I can have a bad day. I can have these feelings. I can have a moment as many as I need and just allowing myself to feel it and not saying like, Oh, I gotta like, you know, I can't cry in front of this person. I gotta stop or I gotta be strong or I gotta be this. It's like, no, I just went through a really traumatic loss and experience and I'm allowed to feel this way. So I think it's just allowing yourself to go through the process because at some point it's going to come out. So, and just being honest with your friends and family, um, of what you need, Mm -hmm. um, and not feeling bad about it because how are they supposed to know unless you tell them? Yeah. So that's just something that I've learned. Um, and just accepting that, you know, I'm going to be different from here on out and I'm going to have moments. I still have moments pretty much every day. Um, but again, yeah, it's just allowing myself to go through it, go through the process, finding and connecting with people who are going through the same thing as you. I, you know, I did a, a woman's group mm-hmm. course online and I've been seeing my therapist every day or no, I'm sorry, every day, every week, mm-hmm. once a week. And just making sure that I'm taking care of myself in that way and doing self-care, whether yeah. it's taking a bath, if I can, without the girls coming in or going and getting a massage or going out with a friend like you know I struggled with doing those kinds of things in the beginning because I felt like I you know how could I go do that and leave the girls with family and friends like I should be at home with them but Mm. no um like my mom tells me how can I be a good mom if I'm not taking care of myself so yeah it's the best advice I could give (laughs) I like that you touched on a little bit like it's okay to have times or days where you're not feeling as good because I think maybe for someone who hasn't dealt with this personally or who has gone through it themselves, it's kind of hard to grasp the concept that it it's not something that you go through and then over time the pain gets just every day a little bit right. less. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's always there. You know, I feel like I've got a not in my throat like 24 7 because I do I wake up in the morning I'm like oh yeah like this is my life like mm-hmm. you know but it's kind of one of those things that you kind of learn to live with and you kind of build around you know your new life around that pain and loss but that loss doesn't like shrink or go away it yeah. stays there so it's just learning how to deal with it on a daily basis one day at a time i could only deal with today i can't think about tomorrow because that's when i start freaking myself out (laughs) you know Mm. so yeah well it's uh i like that advice it sounds like in other words also giving yourself grace giving yourself grace Uh, yeah and i'm not gonna lie there's days where i don't and i'm (laughs) just like you know Mm -hmm. but you still you try the best that you can each day. Having lost someone so close to you, 
uh, a husband is a lot different than on the outside losing a friend or even just an acquaintance. That strong connection that you built with him is probably one of the strongest other than, you know, maybe a, a mom and her her child. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your thoughts on the relationships that we form with people? Because this is kind of also a podcast about being greater together than we are alone. Yeah. Uh, what are your, I'm curious about your thoughts on that. I think you do. You do tend to find out who your real friends are mm. during a time like this. And I think for me, I've learned to be more honest about any of my feelings. So whether it be f- with my friends or family, um, so you kind of learn that. And I think too, you also cut people out of your life. Mm. You also think, I don't, you know, there could be one or two things or like a bunch of things that have built up and you're finally at, when you go through a loss like this, you just, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. And that's okay. Because you can't give any more than, you know, what you have. And when you have such a loss like this, you just don't have time for that, you know? And, and I've lost friends and it's fine. It's, you know, it is what it is. I've already gone through such a traumatic loss that I think, yeah, you just don't have time for it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know. You just see things so much differently. Yep. And, but I've also accepted people too that might have like bothered me. Like I hate that they do this or that (laughs) or blah, blah. You've also learned to just accept them for who they are. So you have gains, you know? Um, it's just it's it sucks that you have to go through such a traumatic experience or loss mm-hmm. to look at life that way. Yeah. Yeah, and I think so many people have different stories and different complex things that have happened to them and in so many different versions of the same story or a different story, different lessons that we learn in life. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the consistent themes are just to get through it all we we have to have those strong bonds and those strong relationships like you said you know mm-hmm. you didn't have or it, it was easier for you to cut off people that weren't there for you that were really there for right. you you know that were those meaningful relationships and i think just having someone in your life like sebastian who kind of just changed your world yeah it sounds he was, like yeah he <laughs> He was probably the, one of the best things that's ever happened to me. You know, he, I can tell him anything and everything and it would be like, I don't know, the craziest yeah. things or like <laughs> the most dumb things or just anything. And he just always knew what to say. He, he just, <laughs> it's just, it was a, it was a crazy strong bond that we had. Mm-hmm. And it started with a really, strong friendship and just turned into you know us dating and starting a family and i think honestly 
the only times we did fight was when he was driving because he was the <laughs> worst driver in the world. <laughs> but other than that, I think we just, you know, we had trust and, and we loved each other unconditionally. Mm. Like, so it's frustrating at times to mm. have someone like that and then lose them. And you're kind of just like, what the heck? Like, why? Why me? You know? But, um, again, I think Sebastian was just, you know, in a really dark space mentally. Mm. And, and I don't think he would have ever done this to hurt anybody, any, any of us. It was just something that he battled with internally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all of your perspective. I think, you know, one of the things we talked about before starting was about the fact that neither of us are professional mental health, yeah, uh, you no. know, advisors. <laughs> and we can't, my story. this is not, you know, giving advice to anybody. You obviously need to do your own work, but, uh, but I think hearing your story is going to help people and like you said that's your goal but just give themselves the ability and the perspective of like saying it's okay it's okay <laughs> you know like really? you said a lot of the things that you've been saying about after his episodes and just making him feel heard and seen right. and not having to fix things after you went through the loss with him and the one thing that you can say to people to help them cope is, you know, it's not something that can be fixed. You're going to no, live with it. Right. And if you do have those days that are not as easy, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> if you cry, oh, yeah. if you yell, if whatever, it's okay. Allow yourself to feel that because if not, it's just going to be bottled up mm -hmm. until you explode. So just let it out. Yeah. Uh, I think the last question or the last thing that I kind of want to touch on is just throughout the whole journey of loss and, and tragedy and the different chapters in your life, I kind of want to end on a little bit of a happy note. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to share any like funny stories or fun times, uh, because obviously coming from the perspective of someone that knew both of you personally and I was introduced to you through Sebastian so mm -hmm. I met him first and can relate to a lot of what you were saying about the fact that when you first found out that he was bipolar it didn't change your uh view of him and I think no. that was something that I related to very well because yeah. When I was working with him, that was something that, yeah, he told me and I was like, okay. Was it like, really work or was it? <laughs> we might have been just, you know, talking. I mean, you guys have a lot of videos from <laughs> yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was, uh, like you said, that was who he was, someone that who was, was a friend to everybody. He was. Yeah. I don't know if he, you want to, any. Any funny stories? <laughs> any good ones? I don't know. There's so many good ones. I mean. He, he was a person, I will say this, and before well I'll come back to this but he was a person who uh I don't think I've ever met anybody who has more intricate and more ridiculous stories have happened to them like I've never met anybody who has m 
I I'd be hearing a story and be like, this, <laughs> Did this, really this is real life happening yeah. to you. And it was yeah. just so complex. Like, <laughs> Oh, he was always rushing out of the door and then <laughs> rushing back in because he forgot something or there was something he couldn't <laughs> find his keys. His, yeah. What, his battery always died in his truck. It was like, <laughs> my battery died today. Like nothing. Like, um, I don't know. Just the funniest things would happen to him. I can't even I can't even think of one off the bat right now because there were so many. There's just too many. There is. He was. Oh my gosh, but he never cared. Like he would <laughs> be telling you this story, laughing. Like I, normal people would be like, "I was so bad. I was yeah, so yeah. frustrated. Like this happened to me." Today. And he'd be like, "Dude, you know what it happened to me?" Like, or it would be like weeks later. Like the first night we went out, he jumped in my cab with me to make sure I got home okay. And uh-huh. when he went back to get his truck, it was gone because it was towed and i didn't know for like not even weeks like months later (laughs) that he like spent all his morning getting his truck out of the tow yard and it's like how could you not have like told me that (laughs) (laughs) so you just brought it up ran casually Casually. months later oh yeah when my my truck got towed like what (laughs) (laughs) when was this (laughs) Yeah. yeah it's funny yeah that was him uh mm-hmm. i think the last uh the last thing that i will have to say is just i think uh you know but we had talked very briefly well here and there we we had talked about doing a podcast and that was something yeah. that he wanted to do and he did speak out uh on social media a lot about you know checking up on people and mental health and different things like that and i mm-hmm. do appreciate you wanting to do this because i think that one the way in which you were able to talk about it was incredibly well said and you're welcome and (laughs) two uh i think that i probably have never met anyone else who has had the most beautiful story and most beautiful love that I have like ever witnessed in my life. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again is what Sebastian and I had was so special and so real and so deep Mm -hmm. that I would do it all over again just to have that experience. Like I feel like there's people out there that haven't or won't get to experience something that I got to. And even though it wasn't that long, I still got to experience it, you know? So yeah. I would do it all over again if I had to, just to like have it one more time. So I'm lucky in that way. Yes, very <laughs> lucky. Well, I'm lucky to have met both of you and to experience that personally. <laughs> uh, any last words before we crack open these vegan oh, cookies? Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> Well, thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Uh, for being on. And uh, where can people find you if they <laughs> <laughs> if they need their lashes done in Menifee? Yeah, HV lashes. <laughs> uh, which is which also is a nice way of keeping that name going yeah, too. Humble vibe lashes. Humble vibe. Check out. Uh, I don't know if you want to tell people is the webs is his. Yep, humblevibesupply.com. dot com. If you want to grab a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or a hat. Or a beanie. Or a beanie. Or a long sleeve. You're wearing one of the long sleeves yeah. right now. Yeah, right. I live in them. All right. So I don't know if you <laughs> want to review a vegan cookie with me. I'm good. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> because you've had these? They're not good? I don't like nuts in my cookies. Oh, you just have nuts? Yeah, they're walnuts. Oh, man. <laughs> I guess I could have read the label. They it's, put with It's in wa- the fine print. Dude, rating on these cookies, I'm going to give the labeling like a four. The oatmeal ones are better. Dude. Oatmeal ones? Ten. These vegan chocolate chip cookies from Trader Joe's. I'll give them a six point seven. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually not as bad because the the nuts are not super strong in these cookies. Nice. <laughs> He'll be deleting that later. <laughs> we'll fix it in post, guys. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, I'll put all the information. People can visit the socials and the website and everything in the show notes. And again, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks. This is cute. Wait, hold on. I like to. I like the different change of scenery that we always that do keep it fresh you know birth and then brought back together when i spilled chocolate milk on you in eighth grade um and in life <laughs> oh, this is so dope dude this is so crispy that came out there come on <laughs> All right. In, in, All right. Well, have a good night. I'll talk to you later. I guess you have to plan something. All right. Sounds good. A lot. Make good thoughts. Right. Y'all right. That's why I needed. That's why I'm session was vital. Cause this is the shit that I'm in my head about. You feel me? And if I want to be an artist, if I want to be like a real artist, this shit gotta be vulnerable as hell. Niggas gotta chew it out and tell me what it is. Like, it's yo. the stories. It's the life experiences. You can't come out the gate shooting if nobody knows who you are, where you're right. from. That's what it does. It's all stories. That's why I love it.